Luke 9. Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. The next day, when he came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions, so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him, and it's destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. Jesus predicts his death a second time. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, listen carefully to what I am about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them, so they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. Samaritan opposition. At the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Rachel, thank you so much. And good morning, everybody. It's wonderful to see you here today. Uh, if I haven't met you before, my name is Jamie and I'm an associate minister here. It's wonderful to see you. And since July, we've been looking at, at this series, No One Like Jesus, No One Like Jesus. And each talk title, uh, much like uh, the titles of the episodes in the TV show Friends, uh, begins with the one with dot, 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 the one with this, the one with that. And finally, uh, we've arrived today at uh, Jesus, the one on the road to greatness, the one on the road to greatness. And what will greatness look like for you this year, I wonder? Someone said to me uh, this week, Jamie, what do you mean this year? You know, why do we talk about the academic year? I'm not an academic. Uh, I'm still in the same year since January. Uh, but we each have a stretch of road ahead of us. And will that road lead to greatness. Now, why wait until the 1st of January? It's a bit arbitrary anyway, isn't it? Wouldn't you like a fresh start? So here goes. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. And uh, what is your New Year's resolution going to be? Taking up park run, touch rugby, drink less, pray more, uh, whatever it might be. And we see in verse 51, we see uh, Jesus making a resolution. Luke says, as the time approached uh, for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. 
His, his resolution is Jerusalem. He is resolute, he is resolved, he is determined. He is, he's not gonna sort of drift into his plans. So what can we learn? What can we learn from Jesus about greatness? After all, Jesus has just been on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's appeared in all his glory and his splendor. And we see our flashes of lightning. Seems pretty great. We see in verse 37, the next day when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. So Jesus, he is taking the road down the mountain. And it's actually a very good starting point because greatness is being with Jesus in the highs and the lows. Greatness is being with Jesus in the highs and the lows. The highs. You've come today to church to meet with God, haven't you? Just like at the, at the transfiguration, to, to, to look upon Jesus, to be transformed into his likeness, that we might reflect his greatness. Now, I will not leave church today having, having not met with God. I'm gonna come early for worship. I'm gonna sit in the front row. I'm gonna come forward for prayer ministry. I will be resolute in seeking Jesus Christ. My greatest fear for us this year at HDC is that, that we would be people of the plateau. People of the plateau. You might ask, but Jamie, isn't, isn't maintaining equilibrium a good thing? You don't want to be a sort of too volatile in life. Steady as she goes. Keep calm and carry on. In C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, Mrs. Beaver says this. She says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan, I'd thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. HDC, let's not play it safe this year. What's stopping you from coming close to Jesus Christ this year. You have an enemy, and the enemy would love nothing more than to keep you at arm's length from Jesus Christ. And that, you know, a bit like, like Adam on the, on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, a bit limp as we sort of gingerly reach out to God. So seek Jesus in the highs, but also seek Jesus in the lows. So you can't be on the mountaintop all the time. A few weeks ago, uh, I was uh, climbing uh, a large hill in Scotland, at least by my standards, it was, it was a large hill. And uh, I don't know if you've ever done that before, and um, the, the ground was sort of covered with all sorts of plants that I didn't understand, and heather, and sort of mossy-looking things. And then um, as I was climbing, just the most shocking thing happened. I fell, and, and uh, my entire right leg uh, fell through a crack. Now, that's a lot of leg for me. Uh, um, and I was, I was really surprised at that moment. And thankfully, I was fine. Uh, but you'll be pleased to know that I took things a little more carefully uh, on the way down. But we shouldn't feel surprised. We shouldn't feel surprised when we feel the drop. We shouldn't feel surprised when after an amazing time of worship or, or perhaps uh, getting some spiritual breakthrough, 
when we very quickly encounter spiritual attack and the battle. And following Jesus, following Jesus means that we will end up getting our hands dirty with the mess of the world. Jesus, he comes down the mountain and in each of Matthew, Mark and Luke's gospels, we see Jesus then driving out a demon. And we read in verse 39 that a spirit seizes the boy and suddenly he screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. A different kind of greatness. A great enemy, but still no match for Jesus Christ. In verse 42, we read, even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion, but Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. We see Jesus' greatness not only at the mountaintop, but also in the valley. You know, we've gone from the, the radiance, the brilliance of the glory of Jesus Christ into the darkness. Psalm 139 tells us that the light is as darkness, that darkness is as light to God. It's not to say that the darkness isn't difficult, but it's also an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to see God's greatness, for God to display his greatness. And this makes me think about the darkness that's in my own life. My own uh, fears and my struggles and my uncertainties. And am I going to be content for the same old this year? To hold on to those things, to, to settle for the same old? Or am I going to invite Jesus to, to plunge into the darkness so that he might transform it? and that he might transform me more and more into his likeness to show Jesus' greatness in my life. You know, am I gonna settle? Am I gonna settle for a sort of half gospel where I sort of muddle along and, you know, it's great that Jesus died for my sins and I'll cash that in when I get to heaven and life's just gonna be hard for the rest of my days. I'm just gonna muddle and just keep struggling with the same sin. Or am I going to believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he, he, he not only paid the penalty, but he broke the power of that sin. And so I don't have to muddle. And I can live in victory because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross. You know, how often do we find ourselves talking about struggling with sin? And we find ourselves accommodating sin and compromising with sin. When the Bible says, put sin to death. Put it to death with the power and the authority that we're being given, a power and the authority that we've been learning about in these chapters of Luke's gospel. How's this year going to be great? What's your New Year's resolution? Resolutely set out for Jesus Christ. Resolutely seek Jesus Christ. Be resolved, I, I must, I will seek him. And not just in the highs, not just in the lows, but also in the everyday, in the everyday. And how do we do that? The first thing I want to mention is, is to trust Jesus. Trust 
Jesus. Faith is, is, not, about, is not about trying really hard. You know, the, the, the father of the, the demon-possessed boy, he says to Jesus, look at my son, look at my son. Just one look from Jesus Christ is all it takes because there is no one like Jesus. If you contrast that with the, with the disciples where the, the dad says in verse 40, I begged your disciples to drive the demon out, but they could not. And Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Seems pretty harsh, doesn't it? But for whatever reason, we're not quite sure why, the disciples couldn't drive the demon out. They'd done so before. And perhaps, we don't really know, but perhaps they were, they were trying in their own strength to some extent. It's always the danger for us as followers of Jesus. Maybe their, their faith had become dulled by the world. They'd taken their eyes off of Jesus and more onto the problems themselves in front of them. Will you and I, will you and I simply go on trusting Jesus this year? The white queen in Alice in Wonderland, she believes six impossible things before breakfast. That should be the baseline for us. That's the baseline for being a follower of Jesus is to believe in the impossible, to receive all of God's blessings for us and to multiply them. Anyone can have a faith. But will you live by faith this year? It's much, much more exciting than domesticated religion having a faith. It's, it's the, to live by faith is, is to go out to Jesus and to meet him where he is, to step out in response to who you know Jesus to be and what he's calling you to do. We, we might say, I believe in Jesus. Well, the demons believe in Jesus. But will I live by faith? Will I live as if Jesus really is there? Will I live uh, as if Jesus really does have my best interests at heart? That Jesus really will provide for all my needs. That Jesus really is calling me to courage. He really is calling me to greater things. He really is calling me to see his kingdom come in Clapham through me as it is in heaven. And I am going to do whatever he tells me, however crazy it may sound, however inconvenient and uncomfortable it may be. This week, I was um, walking around a common with one of you, a friend of mine here at this church, and they were speaking about how they were being uh, obedient to something that Jesus had called them to do. And they said, Jamie, I've been brave before, so I know that I can be brave again. Greatness is living by faith. It's living by faith. So trust Jesus. Next, Ask Jesus, ask Jesus. This is about understanding. In verse 43, we read, while everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. So keep marveling Jesus. Keep marveling at Jesus Christ, but don't stop there. 
be the kid in the class who always puts her hands up. This is the, the second time that Jesus tells his disciples about the cross. And we read in verse 45 that they were too afraid to ask Jesus about it. Now, there are reasons for that here. But you and I, we live on this side of the cross and the resurrection. And we have all the information available at our fingertips. We have all the history of what has happened. And I know that, that lots of you here today are new to church. You're new to faith. You're exploring. Some of you uh, would call yourselves followers of Jesus. Some of you wouldn't call yourselves followers of Jesus. Uh, but you have questions. And can I encourage you, can I urge you to come on Alpha this term? Alpha is all about asking questions. Where no question is out of bounds, no question is awkward, no question is wrong. Every question is allowed. And for all of us, for each of us, we can all listen carefully to Jesus. The original um, language says, uh, when, when Jesus says, listen carefully, the, the original language says literally, let, let this sink down. Let this sink down into your ears. We need to let what Jesus is saying to us uh, sink down into our ears and also sink into our heads and into our hearts. Martin Luther said that if you picture the Bible to be a mighty tree and every word a little branch, I have shaken every one of those branches because I wanted to know what it was and what it meant. Let this sink down into your ears. We read the Bible with the help of its author. As we open the pages of the Bible, we can ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us, to explain to us what it is that we see written there. What does this mean? I wonder what God is saying to you at the moment. I wonder in which way the Holy Spirit is nudging you at the moment. This is not simply that we would comprehend, that we would have our minds transformed, that we would have our hearts transformed, our actions transformed by the truth of God and who he is, letting his word sink into us. So trust Jesus, ask Jesus. It's really development of the same thing. And by the way, what is it that you want from Jesus this year? Ask him. James says, you do not have because you do not ask. Ask him. Psalm 27, we read, one thing I seek is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So trust Jesus, ask Jesus, and finally, welcome Jesus. Welcome Jesus. What do I mean? What do I mean by that? And Jesus says in verse 48, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, for it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. There's that word greatest again. And Jesus is doing lots of different things here. He's saying that to welcome him is to welcome the Father. And what could be greater than having a relationship with your loving Father in heaven who created you and loves you 
And Jesus is saying here that the only way to do that, the only way to have that is through him, is through Jesus Christ, is to welcome Jesus. But this is also about humility. If you think back a few weeks to the the woman with the alabaster jar, we have Simon the Pharisee, Simon the host, and he was not welcoming to Jesus Christ. And his, his, his own pride got in the way of him having a relationship with Jesus. And when you're hosting, when you, when you have a guest, you don't make it about you. You make it about your guest. You make it about the other person. And don't make the mistake this year of thinking that your life is about you. Our life revolves around Jesus Christ. It revolves around Jesus, not us. The disciples thought that this whole thing and and the world and their lives revolved around them. If you have a look at the context, in verse 46, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Now there is a redundant argument, if I ever heard one. It's not so much uh, marveling at Jesus that they're doing in this moment. It's more like Marvel comics. Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the superhero here? And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and made him stand beside him. And Jesus is saying, stop being so childish. Stop being so childish. You're so childish. This, This child is greater than you. The least are the greatest. We know from the New Testament, Jesus, he, he, he loves children. He prioritized them so much uh, to the extent that it annoys his disciples. It gets in the way of their plans and their priorities. And Jesus uh, says that you need to become like little children, not, not childish, but childlike. It's really subversive in that culture where children are the lowest of the low. And children have a humility about them. We see that children are are drawn to Jesus Christ. There's a danger that you and I, we can live in proximity to Jesus, but not live closely to him, to not welcome him into our lives, to have a faith, but not to live by faith. And greatness, greatness is not about posturing and and promoting and, and, and having a platform. Greatness is not about pulling others down. It's, it's about honoring others. And that includes people that are different to us. We read in verse 49, John says, Master, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. And do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. God's kingdom is always on the move. God's kingdom is advancing and this year it will advance through people that you and I might not expect. And in a church like ours, you're going to get diversity and thank God for that. We wouldn't want a church full of clones. And to love Jesus, uh, part of that means to welcome people who are different to us. Now I wanna learn from people who are different to me that's what, that's what humility is. Humility is, is saying, I want to learn from you. you know, yes, I want to learn from people that, that trust in the authority of, of God's word and in the power of his Holy Spirit today. But they might have a different expression to me. They might have different insights to me. 
And together we find unity around Jesus Christ as we look to him, as we find unity in him. And we focus on him and not on ourselves. I said that our lives are not about ourselves. And that's also true for us as a church. In a big way, our church is not about our church. Our church is not about ourselves. We exist to welcome people who do not yet know that there is no one like Jesus. Will we this year welcome people? Will we invite people to come to Tri Church Sunday, to come to Alpha? Because a big part of how we welcome Jesus, how we love him, is, is both welcoming people that society doesn't value, like children, but also welcoming people who are different to us. So to be resolved, to be resolved in following Jesus is to trust Jesus, it's to ask Jesus, it's to welcome Jesus. In other words, be humble. Be humble, but also be determined. Jim Collins uh, wrote the classic Good to Great, how companies can go from being good companies to great companies. And uh, with his research, he wrote about what he calls level five leaders, the, the pinnacle, apparently, in what it means to be a great leader. And he says this, level five leaders are a study in duality, modest and willful, humble and fearless. Can you imagine how that might feel? And to paint the picture, he, he, um, he writes about probably the greatest US president. He says, Abraham Lincoln never let his ego get in the way of his primary ambition for the larger cause of an enduring nation. Yet those who mistook Mr. Lincoln's personal modesty, shy nature, and awkward manner as signs of weakness found themselves terribly mistaken to the scale of 250,000 Confederates and 360,000 Union lives, including Lincoln's own. Do you and I have a primary ambition for a larger cause of an enduring kingdom? We have a great leader, the greatest leader, even greater than Lincoln, even greater than a level five leader because there is no one like Jesus Christ. And he let nothing stop him from his mission he had to the cost of his very own life. So our passage, our passage begins with a, a descent. It begins with a descent and it ends with an ascent. That Jesus' own journey took him down the Mount of Transfiguration into the mess of our world and back up another hill to be nailed to a cross. Luke says in verse 51, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jesus was not passive. He was not drifting. He was not take it or leave it. He was resolute. He was resolved. He was determined. And Jesus, he has trodden the path to greatness for each one of us. And the Satnav says that the only route to greatness the only route to heaven for you and me is through the cross. So trust what Jesus did on the cross. Ask Jesus about what he did on the cross. 
welcome what Jesus did on the cross for you into your own life. Because Jesus resolutely sought out you. There is no one like Jesus. Trust him, ask him, welcome him, and love him. Amen.